Our human race is a fascinating species. Each of us have our different hopes, dreams, loves and hates. We all have those things that make our heart absolutely sing. Those interests that make us sublimely unique. Welcome to the podcast that explores all of those interesting little facets. The things that make us uniquely human. Welcome to Aspects, the series of life. And welcome to Aspects, the series of life. I'm Beth Hemmings. In this episode, we're going to be talking about cults, and the cult in particular called the Family International. The Family International was most prominent in probably the 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, when cults were more of a thing than they are today. Like most cults, the Family International does have some negative connotations attached to it but we're not going to be talking about any of that today you're going to have to go and do your own research on that one but instead we're going to be delving into tony's story and what it was like to grow up in the family international in south africa so tony what was the setup like in the family international in south africa where you grew up how did everyone live well i mean you're usually not born there like definitely like family kind of by nature made you quite nomadic like so you were quite used to like moving around from house to house and changing homes so like changing community centers so you weren't necessarily always living with the same people that you already you know you started with so in South Africa like I moved there when I was seven and the house was mostly made up of my family members at that point it was my grandparents and their youngest kids um, my mom and my brothers and sisters and there were a few hangers on like kind of you know younger family members and some older aunties and uncles it's like split up into like categories there's like the original generation who would have obviously been converted into the family fgas and then you get the second generations who are obviously born into the family my mother is one of those and then third generation me and my sisters and stuff so yeah there's usually that sort of layout in the home as well there's older people there's like you know young adults maybe older adults to mid early 30s and then there'll be a bunch of kids there was about 30 of us so as you can imagine it's that's quite like a crazy social upbringing already there's a really big range of nationalities like across there like at one point we had australian mexican french spanish and my parents and grandparents who were british so like it was a real big mix that was that home I think was called the Vine Home. And there was about 30, 35 of us. Yeah, about 10 people in every category that I already said, you know. Um, yeah, so it was crazy. Like, if you aren't just like the day-to-day thing, it was very like, spoke your, you know, you need to have like your Christian devotions time, you know, like so it's usually starting off 6.30 or something. You have to get up and go and have this big like home devotions. I always fell asleep in them especially when I was like 16 16 on up you have to start going and I like would go with my blanket and just like pretend to like try to like sleep with my eyes open but it didn't work so well like got in trouble a lot for that um yeah I'm not like massive but like yeah get a correction from the shepherds or whatever um yeah there were you know all meals are like kind of communal as well so it's like big you know productions going on 
you get like quite a range of skills like in in this group of people like some people don't have any any skills <laughs> some people have a lot of skills some people you know are inspiring there was one guy joe from australia who like got me into working out in the beginning and he was a really good drummer he liked metal a lot so you know he kind of taught the drummer of our like kids christian band that we had at the time yeah so there's a lot of activities going on we were schooled after breakfast you know we'd have to have like homeschool time and my grandmother was like trained as an english teacher so we it, we didn't really have a bad like um at least my home i can't i did not necessarily have a typical family upbringing like i think i had like a slightly augmented like definitely better one like um you know not as much like money issues as a lot of other homes i got to go to like fun kind of after school activities like i went to scouts i went to football i went to ballroom dancing and almost all of these were provisioned by our home because provisioning is like the family term for like donations um so we would just approach these places you know like and in south africa like um a lot of things have like charity setups so, but to be fair, I was like the only white charity kid like ever. All the rest of them obviously were from like actual townships and stuff. So yeah, I never really thought, I think now that I think about it, it's a bit like, whoa, like <laughs> to stand out. But yeah, we were doing, we were doing good stuff and it wasn't like we were rich. We just like weren't in the shits. Like all, all the other family homes were always like really poor and like badly run. But ours was like run like business to be honest, like and better my mom probably being and her dad being like the main drivers of that i mean considering now that she's got a pretty good company and everything like it's pretty obvious like who is you know where the numbers and like you know the shot calling the decision making anyways the good ones were coming from you know, we, we obviously had like family like christian um responsibilities as well like you when you became an adult you had to you know you kind of had like witnessing quotas and witnessing is like telling people about jesus but it kind of at that point in the family it was less about like winning the world than rather than just kind of really just selling the merchandise like and that was how we were selling the world you know selling the gospel like getting it across like magazine subscriptions and cd sales and stuff like and there was a lot of merch coming down from like the uh you know the main aurora aurora the production company they'd been obviously around for probably 30 you know 25 years at that point and they were doing yeah they were doing it pretty good you know they were making loads i can't even remember all the stuff like there was lots of like christian schooling based stuff especially at that point and in south africa that was quite popular like it's quite a christian country south africa so yeah i mean that we're making money from that we had to go to like petrol stations out in like groups and try to get subscriptions from just random people you know like you know jehovah witness sort of stuff you know what i mean we always make fun of the jehovah's witnesses to be honest like i always i always felt that we were in competition from with them like i was growing up like that's just kind of you know the way you are you know there's a lot of kids living growing up together so you kind of make your like own narratives as well about things oh yeah growing up in a, in a house with 10 kids especially when there's we're all kind of similar age well similar it seemed similar because it was such a range that there was no break you know like there would be babies all the way up to 16 and it would always seem to be like there would be if you move up new baby would get bored and born and like then you know the cycle start over again so that was quite interesting and lit, most south african family homes were kind of like this maybe a little bit less kids maybe less people 
because they weren't obviously as well like as well run so it was kind of more difficult to support children and stuff we were all people always wanted to come to our home but there was also oh, there's so many little aspects to to you know to touch on you know like the social aspects kind of like little politics between different homes how many homes were there in south africa do you know just in Johann johannesburg alone i think there were some smaller ones but they weren't allowed to be called like full charter members full family disciples they had to be called missionary members family had like three stages they had like fm fellow member mm which is like the medium one but like you could still have sex with people in like the full um full fd actually i can't remember now maybe you couldn't it, the rules changed a little bit a lot during the end you know like because it was just fm and cm fellow member and charter member um charter member was like full fellow member was kind of like not allowed to have sex with them then they changed cm into kind of two mm and fd I think because they wanted to, they didn't want as many restrictions and pressures on, they, they wanted to have, to kind of have this same amount of base, but like, well, not like excluding a bunch of people, but to be fair, it didn't work anyway. So like when you have these kind of, these kind of ratings for people, like it can only go bad, you know, like when people are like caste system sort of like, oh, I can't like, you know hang out with that home or whatever that home's like oh they're fm they're systemites you know like they do system stuff so what like distinguishes the different classes of the homes like who decides all of this um so you have to like achieve your fd status so like everyone has to be good like don't sleep outsiders um get a certain amount of whatever like have like yeah i think it was like you have to like tie the certain amount you have to do all these certain amount of things to get your fd status and like I can't remember all the good things about it, about being FD. Is it like you know community work, bits of humanitarian work, and stuff like that? That wasn't even the main thing. Like everyone is expected to do that anyways. But I think that there might have been a bit of a quota for that. But I'm pretty sure it was mainly for like merch. Right. Like who is getting like the most activated? Who's most like? I honestly can't remember to be honest I was very not business involved when I was in the family like I was a grunt you know I left when I was 18 um, I did do some of like the receipt fucking logging for some of the you know like financial accounts so I, a little bit but like honestly I was never in a leadership position like my mom was but like I only know what's filtered down from her you know what I mean um, I want to kind of touch again on like just a, a daily like an average daily routine so you said that you'd wake up at like 6 30 and you'd have devotions do devotions it's about an hour long then it's like breakfast and then a lot of the time like the kids devotion the like if you're my age at the time when i'm remembering 16 17 uh, like you're gotta go to kids devotion and then the adults devotions as well like it's very annoying so you get like that would be after breakfast and you have like an hour and then you'd have to like memorize memory verses like or key promises oh they brought out this crazy thing like in the early 2000s where it was like now it's not just about praying you have to pray with the power of the keys because someone found this verse in the bible where it's like and i give you the keys of the kingdom and now you have power and literally like there was this whole thing just from that little verse like now we have to claim the keys every time and there was like a key promise booklet was sent out with all the key promises that you can say like 
and it was just so like what like what is the key promise like and then there was yeah because when you call the keys it makes a key craft come and it hovers around you honestly and a key craft is literally a ufo with keys attached to the rings what? To, on, on the end of it so and it, like, it spins like... around and the keys like Honestly, that was like actually physical keys, like to a door, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, the keys were the keys to the kingdom. They were really important, so you have to claim the power of the keys. The power of the fucking keys, and in the family, it became like a big joke. Everyone was like claiming the keys of traffic, and like, oh my god, I claim the key of like um, sober, so I don't wake up hungry tomorrow. Like. Uh, <laughs> I made that one up, but everyone was just making them up. Yeah, so we had to memorize key promises. Then we would have had school or whatever. So when I was 16, 17 was probably my most hectic schooling. But it was also easy, like, because I ended up doing my O-levels and AS levels, like, you know, from home and then sitting the exams there. But I was had them really split up. I started doing my O-levels when I was 14. So, like, I didn't do them all at one go. I had, um, I did two, then I did two. And then I did my AS levels, like so. I had pretty much like half a year to study for one subject, pretty much, because I like my high school education like motored. Basically, I was finished when I was like fourteen, fifteen. But I mean, except for the O's. So you, know you I mean? you taught different subjects from different members of the family. Yeah, totally. Like some family members received zero education. It was very like, especially before the charter, which was about ten years. I was think I was. Mm, Actually, maybe a bit old. I, around the time I was born, the charter came out, and What's that the gave the charter was basically family human rights. Because before that, when you were in the family, you basically had zero rights. And like my parents would have a lot more to say about that, but like you could put you to work for this however long. It didn't matter. Like you know, there was and there was that was when weird shit was going down big time. So the charter was brought in like kind of when Grand like Berg died and Mama Maria took over, and that gave everybody like a lot more fucking freedoms you know you had to have a certain amount of free time you had to have a certain amount of this um you had to have a day off um so that was like a big deal and that changed a lot um that changed a lot for a lot of people so like yeah by the time it was my time most people had to have an education but i know for a fact a lot of people who you know i grew up my peers like didn't really have like a proper high school education they have zero to show for it you know it doesn't make them stupid people but like it's that is a that's a big one so why were you different why did you and my mom was very intent on doing that. and because our home was like well run um it was just scheduled better you know we had we had time for it to do that and to do all our you know other christian stuff as well family like orientated stuff also we had we were one of the only homes that actually had a maid like we had a domestic worker uh, like a South African working there so like in every other family home since the beginning of time since that was like the teen's job JJT Jesus job time and they had to do all the dishes all the cooking and everything blah 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 in our home we didn't have that we just we had a domestic worker so like that was a big deal like I, we were considered kind of like like upper like weird we weren't like the royalty that the, the service homes they were like the ooh like but it was our home was like a popular thing but it was also considered like quite like high strung like really like you know uh tight collar sort of like home yeah so we would do school mostly so my mom was very into that her mom was very into that 
making sure that we got the proper education because that was a big deal with some people saying they didn't get it blah 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 and I mean like to be fair I mean I got it and I managed to get into university with my high school diplomas you know so that's useful not that it stopped many of my other friends as well but yeah so we'd have that and then in the afternoon it would be generally during the week it would generally be, be about like about once a week we'd go down to Deep Salute to help out with like the Sunday school and I would like I had a few different things I would do down there sometimes I taught guitar sometimes I just played football with like the kids down there and we'd give food out and stuff um, I can't remember what CTP stands for Christian training program possibly that's just like we just you know start a, like a, some sort of program to help disadvantaged people and in South Africa there's so much that there's so many disadvantaged people like that you know it's very easy to kind of start something if you've got the vision my gra my grandma um, Rachel is in incredible like she's been in the newspaper a couple of times she's been called the angel of deep sleuth you know for the, the work she's done there the charity work my dad is also really involved with that so we would do that sometimes and then obviously you know I went to football like I tried going to football five days a week I was obsessed with it when I turned about 13 so that was a big part of my life I, I mean it, 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 there are some parts which really align with normal people but then I just didn't go to school I was homeschooled but I did have outside friends so I, I went to scouts I had a lot of good friends from there I went to football and you know I had ballroom dancing like so yeah I had a bit of like a normal thing it's just living in a house with so many different people that was probably the main part and obviously like different restrictions from a normal child yeah have. but you know all parents have their own kind of um moral ruler mm -hmm. you know I mean? so kind of talking about how much outside influence was involved how much sort of like material were you allowed to access from the outside world like you know entertainment films tv books that kind of thing well usually it had to go through like a vetting process from like the top so there there are like big shepherd homes floating around and somewhere is the the is WS World Service. No one knows where they are. They're Selah, which in the family meant um, not allowed to. T you're not allowed to say where they are, or you know, it's all very hush hush. Selah was. I think I think it's it's a Jew, Jew, uh, Hebrew word from the Bible or something that means like not allowed or you know secret, inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah. So WS would make. They had people doing the ratings on stuff, so stuff could get a few different ratings. I don't really remember. There was definitely like. Um, recommended recommended was like the good list and there's some weird movies on the recommended list and then there's like not recommended and then there's x-rated which like you know there's really bad evil movies that x-rated so it could be quite random if especially if they the, the family love to find like little meaning you know like meanings you know like in stuff so especially when they like agree to them so obviously they love the matrix they love that like kind of alternate like you know, stuck you're stuck in a liar reality sort of thing because warnings that was what the family were saying. Yeah, you know. warnings of the system from the outside. Exactly. Yeah, they really, really liked that sort of stuff. So the Matrix was okay. I'm trying to think of what you know, stupid humor films like Will Ferrell is definitely not allowed. Will Ferrell's furthest thing. Um, swearing is really bad as well. System music was a really big one. <clears throat> so we weren't allowed to listen to system music. Um, basically and that changed a lot there was a whole publication that went out called poisonous water brackish water and clean water that david brackberg made before he died like and it was all about like poisonous water like oh like he like hated the music that was starting to come out so like, oh it just sounds like jungle music ooga booga music like which sounds pretty fucking racist when yeah. you think about it um 
so yeah, he, he made this whole ride of like, oh, look, all these evil people like going to, and we had like really illustrated comics. There's all like these bad people like listening to like poison water music. You're like, and so like, we're definitely not allowed to touch that. And then it was like, oh, but someone asked him, oh, what about like Christian music? Good, like Christian music. He's like, oh, that's actually brackish water. Like you don't get any like good thing. It doesn't make you sick, but it doesn't give you any like good, like, um, like increase your righteousness yeah yeah it doesn't give you it's not wholesome so like you have to listen to like good family music for that like really be like and he was just a fucking weirdo like we can go there's a whole podcast just for him but um the way he, he like he loved like this like soft guitar music like family music is really like like cheesy as fuck I mean, <sighs> so there is a lot of music. You've you've even shown me some to come out of the family. Um, there is a lot. Warnings of the outside world. What's that song where the girl goes to the supermarket? Kathy, and... don't go to the supermarket today. Yeah. <laughs> Because I mean, the family was kind of really started on this whole basis of the end of the world is coming, right? So, and when it first started, I think '72. So they were they literally put a date like 1985, Jesus coming back. No, or was that's the start of that's the start of the end time. So they really went into the Book of Revelations and everything about how the end of the world, you know, Antichrist is coming. He's gonna broker a peace deal between Israel and Palestine, like, and that's gonna be the beginning of the seven years. And three and a half years into it, the world's gonna have loads and loads of peace. Three and a half years into it, he's gonna break the agreements and make everyone bow down to the to the beast. He's just gonna make a big idol called the beast, and that beast is gonna be able to see into everybody who gets the mark of the beast. They have to get the mark of the beast into their forehead or their right hand. So that was the whole thing. That's very classic kind of Christian end of the world stuff, right? End time. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's what that song is, is predicated basically on. Like, it's don't go to the supermarket because they're, they're going to make you get the mark of the beast now. Like, you can't use cash anymore. And then after that three and a half years, Jesus comes back. Everyone goes up to heaven. Um, I can't remember, actually. I might be getting my timeline a little bit mixed up. You can see I'm a major apostate. But <laughs> very bad. So, yeah, apocalypticism was a big thing branded by TFI. Um, how how much of that was sort of, like, ingrained in you while you were growing up? Totally. Totally. Very much. I mean, that's the whole point, you know? They're, you're, like, really indoctrinated early on. I remember thinking early on, like, what? I'm so so lucky that out of so many people in the world I was born in the family like what are the chances of that like like that's great um, you're told it's gonna be fucking great like when you when you get there you're gonna then Jesus is gonna give us all our magic powers you know like and we're gonna literally that's what I thought like then we're gonna get we're gonna shoot fire and that's what they were telling telling us like 100% the Antichrist soldier is gonna come get us and we're gonna you know we're gonna freeze them 
or we're gonna do all sorts of things to them like we're gonna have like major magic i was so excited to have that magic like oh. yeah, yeah like end time powers i was really looking forward to end time powers well, that sounds incredible if only it was true they they had like really dramatic like novel publications as well so it's everything you can imagine like so like the really big like open letters to the whole you know like the family leadership which let me tell you was so boring like you know how you say when someone's like write, writes a big sms like a big text message to you and you're like whoa they just sent me a fucking essay for family people it's like oh they sent me a fucking gn because a gn is just like it's like you know full like eight pages of just like and you have to read one of these like every morning pretty much because they just keep gushing them out like dearly beloved you know we just want to like talk about this one subject like you know family members like maybe being a bit bad in brazil like we really want to bring that up and it'll be just like eight pages of them being so boring and peter amsterdam like he's a nice guy but he's so boring and i hate the sound of him and karen's are their voices are so boring so these two are the current runners leaders of tfi aren't they yeah i don't know no one knows who they are now Mm. (laughs) no one knows who they are now they're hiding somewhere got they paid out like i think it was like five thousand dollars to all like fga members at a certain point but considering how much like these fgas have given 40 years of their life you know like i have two sets of grandparents who are fgas uh, my stepdad's and my mother's and they both got these payouts but they the amount that they've poured into the family is ridiculous especially my stepdad's grandparents like what they got out of it is ridiculous what they gave to the family and what they got out of it is so disproportionate it's ridiculous they gave so much and they have like it's it's sad now like what, what, they got what were these payouts for just like a thank you for the service yeah pr- it's pretty much like here's some of your ties back like because yeah it's like i guess it was sort of like some sort of family pension that they did and, you know like yeah that's good i appreciate that but it's not compared to what they they did it's zero you know it's nothing so going back to these open letters that you'd have to read like every morning is that a case of two leaders would send out these devotion letters i suppose and then that's what you'd be reading in the morning time yeah it started off with like they were it was always happening in, in early in the beginning like grandpa which was like the 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 name for david brantberg like the the name that everyone called him well first it was dad for the second generation and then there was all these books for my generation called the life of grandpa which were published and were all illustrated and really fucking weird as well um <laughs> So yeah, it was to like make Grandpa seem like some sort of like nice, nice old man to us. Like, anyways, it's just really weird stuff in it. Like all illustrated without girls wearing shirts and stuff. Like that afterwards, there was a big purge where all the life of Grandpas got brought in and coloured in with pen. <laughs> so you couldn't find a life of Grandpa that didn't have like the girls like covered with their like drawn with like a pen bra on it. That's just, that is just like a small little thing about the censoring that was going into the family. Like, it was messed up. It was from the 70s, like, where people were messed up. Like, and that, a lot of that, like, cultish, like, 70s stuff, like, carried on down, like, you know, it was mad. So it started with, with Dave Ratberg, like, he was just having dreams. Mm. And he just, like, would get his secretary, Mom Maria, to write down his whole dreams. And these were, like, pretty much unedited. It was always like, oh, grandpa laughs, weeps. Seriously, that's how it was written. Like, weeps. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You saved him. He had this one dream about Tony the Iceman. I always remember this because he's the same name as me. Where, like, 
you remember Tony the Iceman, he used to bring his family ice in like the 50s in like his big ice block in his thing. And like at one point he had a dream about Tony the Iceman that he went to heaven and now he was one of Grandpa's super help, spirit helpers. And he's like, oh, that's so like literally like unedited. It would sound just be like, oh, like, thank you, Tony. Oh, Jesus, save him, help him. Weeps. Please, Jesus. Oh, speaks in tongues. Honestly, like that's that's the letter. That's the letter. So, and then, you know, he didn't have to have dreams all the time. Sometimes he would just come up with some garbage. Yeah, so Mama Marie and Peter Amsterdam, after they took over, kind of changed it a little bit to being definitely more PC, but also 10,000 times more boring. <laughs> like, so boring, those GNs, man. I can't even focus. Great news, I think, is what it stood for. Right. There's so much family publication that it actually will blow your minds like across the the age spectrum like and it'll all be kind of like rehashed like you know evangelical christian stuff that you've probably heard before mixed with some other crazy ass cult stuff like from the 70s generally from cults from around maybe the 60s 70s and 80s though you know we hear such stories that they have such horrific endings you know it could be like mass suicide genocide child abuse etc uh, but your experiences growing up in a cult were overtly positive um, and you loved your upbringing so what made your experiences so great I mean probably just it's very easy as my mum <laughs> very much like it was kind of after the charter I think it was left to like the parents like discretion there was a certain amount of schooling everyone had to get but like if you could give more you were allowed to you know we weren't allowed to go to system school that was something we weren't allowed to do so it was kind of on the parents just how much we were actually going to get and her mom was also like a former teacher so she didn't mess around you know when it came to our school and like we had a south african disciple christo who was really good at like kind of ivy league level maths like before he joins I mentioned him already and he like taught me how to do maths um so yeah i got good grades you know like i have great o levels i have great as levels and i got a lot of outside you know like kind of recreational activities as well so for me it was yeah it was there were aspects which were different but i feel like i got all the good bits of the family stuff and like none of the also like good bits of kind of like the uh other upbringing but i didn't have like a bad like i didn't have to go to school or get bullied or have like that sort of pressure it was different we did have like we had Bible camps and stuff so all the whole of South Africa all the teenagers which were about like 100 would like get together so that would you know there's that brings its own little politics and all you know its own little thing when you're 14 and 15 you know like so that there were similarities there but yes it was different I suppose with there being so many different types of people from all different walks of life different nationalities that are all bringing different things so you know you said someone was a really high grade English teacher or a maths teacher yeah. or you know people who could teach you guitar and you know yeah I had quite a few guitar uh, teachers so yeah that, that was nice like during the World Cup probably the best thing I can remember is 2010 World Cup which was one of my last years um, like being in the family full like kind of full time um, it was also kind of the latter days like in the States the family and in Europe the family had disintegrated a lot more South Africa was still quite community like we still believed in the existence of it you know like we and by that I mean we didn't kind of mix with outsiders as much like in Europe and the States when I went there that year I realized how much that was kind of opening to the world to me because I saw the family was like very in America especially very just 
part of the world you know a lot less separate like at least that was kind of my impression it's, and considering what i expected it to be i thought it was going to be more kind of uh restrictive but yeah um the world cup in south africa was great because literally all of the family from the whole world went there because it was like a massive witnessing opportunity you know and being a charity and you know it being south africa we actually had like inns into like fan parks and stuff our, our christian band played at one of the fan parks right after germany kicked england's ass <laughs> i was boarding england at the time so i was very sad but i laugh now that was great because we had brazilians over could teach me guitar we had reporters from japan you know like family full-time like but with journalist training like coming down um so yeah there was there's some really you know like high energy performative like really like incredibly creative people who came from the family and stuff i mean you know you can name some like big celebrities you know the phoenix brothers uh you know it's interesting like it's a lot it's very performance based actually so the family i would say like everyone's been in a singing team everyone's been in a dancing team like everyone everyone learns to play guitar in the family literally all the girls and boys everyone knows how to play some chords but holy ghost samples is a big deal um that's the thing where you, everyone gets acoustic guitar so there'll be like 20 acoustic guitars and like it like maybe 40 people and they'll just like march through somewhere singing some family songs we did have good um good uh, like salvation songs that were quite moving so why why did you leave the family international um i was becoming a teenager like at around the time the family started to kind of go down and see that like it wasn't as radical as before like a lot of publications came out like around 2003 like oh the titanic is sinking we need to save the titanic like we're getting too worldly we're getting you know we're not fulfilling jesus's you know like the lord's plan for us to be end time soldiers you know which is the whole thing you know we need to really like get win the world for jesus we're not winning the world fast enough we thought we were doing it but we're not so we had to go through this whole period and brazil there's this big thing in brazil where for six months the whole family in brazil went on censure i think they were doing some really fucking weird stuff like so yeah that was like a big thing like so then like the whole family needed correction we were all worldly so um so because you were all interconnected because of what was going on in brazil it was kind of like a reflection on i think else. that that's how they i think that that's how they said and to be fair like from what i remember like it was there's a lot of spirituality you know kind of like fake spirituality oh jesus and god damn it prophecies everyone's always getting prophecies about what to do with policy decisions you can't get a fucking prophecy about what to do well the lord showed me that this person should be voted out of the home that was happening in certain people's homes people would break up with someone or get broken up and that girl was the shepherd and she would go to the home council and like the lord told me that like my ex-boyfriend has to leave the home and then he'd get voted out because <laughs> the rest of the home council is all that girl's brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, and that was it. And like, it was always it was like, Jesus told me like this and that. And like, okay, now you need to ask the Lord what for a prophecy about like what punishment you need to get. And if it's like not bad enough, like someone else would get a prophecy for you. Oh my God. Like that stressed me out. The prophecy thing really stressed me out because I thought that I like didn't have a close enough connection with Jesus because I never got a prophecy. I never got a prophecy where like that was true and everyone's getting prophecies all the time like i'm like so i just have to lie and then it makes me feel like oh, i don't have prophecy like i'm lying like <laughs> like jesus never tells me jack shit like how is everyone else getting all these prophecies that was but, a big thing talking to jesus like but it sounds to me like 
they were obviously just making shit up. Well, I mean, no, Jesus <laughs> was talking to them. Yeah. Obviously, they're making shit up, and but like, how do? You, uh, yeah, it was it was hectic. It was hectic. So that made you question your own spirituality and your own faith because Jesus wasn't coming to you when he yeah. was to everyone else. Yeah, I mean, as far as like belief and stuff goes, it was back. It was weird for me. Like, I mean, you knew that it was true. You know, it never even questioned it. Of course, it was true. And then when I got kind of a little bit like on fire for Jesus, as we'd call it, like when I was like 11, 12, when I started going to the teen camps, you know, and we'd have big like inspiration times where it would like be a full band on the stage and all the teens and stuff, you know, in a big group and we'd be jumping up and down, like, and it would be, you know, we'd play like kind of rock music and stuff for inspiration time. And like, that was really fun. Like, I loved that. I absolutely love it. So, you know, like you get on fire for Jesus, you know, on fire, radical teens, you know, like all these songs about like, and you know, they're kind of rock. And they get you like hyped up. You're like, Jesus, yeah, I'm going to win the world for Jesus. And especially when you're so many peers and it was like getting popular to like, there was all these 16, 17 years. There were the naughty kids who smoked cigarettes. Like, <laughs> so my uncle was a, but then there were like, some of my friends were like really on fire for Jesus, you know, like, yeah, we're going to win the world for Jesus. And like would cry when we all like needed to cry. Like there was one teen camp where like, it was kind of like, oh, someone was being naughty, you know? And it was a reflection of like the whole thing. So we all had to like get down and like, beg Jesus to forgive us and everyone was weeping everyone's crying I was like oh I have to cry too like I'm crying I'm sad like oh no what have we done I didn't do anything bad I was good I was one of the good kids so where does your faith and spirituality lie now I don't know if I can honestly stop believing in Jesus I don't know I had like we're taught to like have this relationship so like that he's like you're a friend and in a way I like kind of still like have a little superstition like oh yeah like I'll talk to Jesus sometimes I'll cross myself sometimes which you don't really do in the family but I just do it anyways um, but he said some really good st stuff in the Bible like even unedited just from the King St. James like that's good philosophies that's all really good shit I am a bit it has made me a bit like with like spirituality in general and when people talk about that like in kind of in regular society when you talk about spirituality it's kind of like all like hippy dippy sort of like energy and stuff and actually a lot of me does believe in that but i think the family kind of made me a little bit also like when people start talking about it i'm like mm, like can't be arsed they're like oh that's so they're so corny they're so cheesy even though i kind of sort of agree with what they're saying i've been like i feel especially when someone starts talking to me about religion it's like I know all about <laughs> I know like what it's like it's great and maybe one day like I'll I'll need something you know like that again sometimes I go back and forth I like the idea of religion you know how it gives people hope it gives them an opportunity to you know to be respectful in their way you know like there's a lot of good things about it um, community and stuff so I'm all for it but it's obviously done some harm as well like the institutions of them the, idealistically I think it's great do I believe in like the way the family believes in spirituality no absolutely not they have just crazy ideas they just took all of the Marvel characters and turned them into superheroes and said they were uh, into spirit helpers and said they were real